0: Hello creatives, Jay here and you are listening to episode 15 of 99% Perspiration. This is a weekly podcast bringing you interviews and advice from today's creative and artistic professionals so that you can get the confidence and the know-how to turn your creative calling
1: into a career.
0: On today's 99% Perspiration.
1: All of these other partner organisations and other voluntary sector workers and organisations after a few months, they're like, well, these these media guys are, are still around, even though they've they're not. There's no money for them, so obviously there had been a lot of media arts-oriented organisations and individuals that had been around for the good times and then just disappeared as soon as the times were tough. And unfortunately for us, <laughs> we were the ones that stepped in afterwards.
0: This is Dan Machiavelli. He's the co-founder of Media Savvy Training Solutions. Based in Sunderland and on the cusp of a new project launching in Ghana, times are very exciting for
1: Media Savvy. What Media Savvy are about and what they do, there's a massive demand in the place where, where Joe's from, which is a place called Sunyani. So many opportunities there, but it was always like, right, well, how do we find the time to develop that? And also the finance to to make it happen or give it a go. We'll
0: also be delving deeper into applying for funding and grants with some unheard clips from previous interviews on 99% Perspiration. Jan Williams of the Caravan Gallery from episode four. Uh,
2: the Arts Council and lots of other funding bodies will have priorities. You know, maybe it's about engaging people who wouldn't normally come to exhibitions. Just look at those things and think well, how can I address those?
0: and Corinne Kilvington, Creative Director of Theatre Space North East, from our pilot first episode.
3: Chances are they're going to say no more times than they say yes. There's thousands of different projects deserve funding. And whether they're better projects than you or just better written, it's not going to change anything.
0: And as always, you can stay in touch with 99% Perspiration by following us on Twitter, which is at 99podcast, and by joining our Facebook community of creative and artistic people on the Facebook group. Just search for 99% Perspiration on Facebook. Without further ado, let's get stuck into today's
1: episode. I wouldn't swap it. I wouldn't swap my job for another one, even though there's plenty of other jobs out there that would make me a lot better. Wealthier and maybe a lot more stable in that sense But I don't think I would get anywhere near the kind of job satisfaction out of it Well, we started the company in back end of 2010 So we've almost been successfully trading for five years now, which is quite an achievement to a certain extent in this in this era This recession laden era that we've gotten through somehow. So yeah, nearly five years in we specialize in delivering accredited and non-accredited courses to the most hard to reach groups so we work a lot with offenders those with mental health problems long-term unemployed BME groups sort of like ethnic minority groups abused women any group that can be classed as marginalized or hard to reach we specialize in working with them on that note we're a social enterprise so we're a not-for-profit organization. What we try to do also is to embed core transferable employability skills into what we do. So it's a learning by stealth approach. That's sort of the buzz term that we like to use, which is pretty accurate. So media savvy training solutions, training,
0: mostly specializes in teaching media arts and
1: digital technologies. So we use the Adobe suite, chiefly photoshop but a bit of premiere and some other bits and pieces of software as well the learners will create fantastic images and videos really cool innovative creative things but at the same time they are gaining core employability skills especially those that have come from a background where (coughs) they haven't necessarily achieved on an educational platform before or haven't had that much experience working with it we embed literacy and numeracy facets to the courses and the tasks and the tutorials so all the time they're doing this cool stuff and they're not realizing they're actually learning key skills which will help them in their future lives in whatever they do whether it's whether the next step is further courses in education volunteering part-time work full-time work whatever it may be just so many examples of what you might call case studies or success stories that we have and it's not really it's not as bad as I'm gonna say it here, but if we had a course of ten learners and nine of them were absolute a nightmare or very difficult to work with, which doesn't really happen to be fair, and one of them just really grasps what you're trying to do with them, and you see them progress week on week on week, make massive strides in their own lives and just really bettering themselves and the families and people around them and you just see a massive change in their personality and what they, their self-belief and what they can achieve and then over time you see them going to achieve these things examples like that that really make make it worthwhile and get you through the more difficult times when you're scraping for funding and um working long hours and they like Oh, there's lots of of downs when you're running a very small social enterprise. Starting in business at the height of the recession and cuts really starting to take place in public sector was a very difficult time. Just to confirm, we're a social enterprise, not for profit, but we are sustainable and we don't rely, although we have benefited from some grant funding and still do to a certain extent, a lesser extent, we are self-sustainable, so we we tender for work and we and we bring money in to enable the organisations to to survive and to grow and to thrive. Depending on uh, when you when you ask me, it'll be whichever adjectives more suitable. But in that sense, money's tight in terms of public money out there. Obviously, you have to do a just in general. I mean, it's not just us, but you'd have to do a lot more work. And produce a lot more in terms of results and added value for your book these days. Which is fine to an extent because it does does get rid of some of the um, might call freeloaders over the years that have taken certain pots of funding and used these opportunities more of a cash cow scenario rather than to really be there to benefit a certain group or a community. And on that note, when we were originally starting up in the voluntary networks and sector around Sunderland, obviously where we're based, the general consensus to us was if we'd have been around five years previous, so sort of mid was it 2004, 5, 6, we'd have been millionaires within the year and that that was the kind of money that was being thrown around for certain projects, for types of innovative courses and workshops and just things that we were delivering. But all, that, all of that had gone by the time we started up we got the tail end of a little bit of the funding that used to be u- creative partnership funding that used to be used in the schools we got the very last tail end of for a project for that but after that it was pretty much it was all gone but the benefit of that was that all of these other partner organizations and other voluntary sector workers and organizations after a few months they're like, well, these these media guys are, are still around even though they they're not there's no money for them so obviously there's been a lot of media arts oriented organisations and individuals that had been around for the good times and then just disappeared as soon as the times were tough and unfortunately for us <laughs> we were the ones that stepped in afterwards there are a lot of individuals and organisations including ourselves I would say that don't get anywhere near enough um, Income or revenue to warrant the good work that they do or try to do or, could, or are capable of doing with the resource. One of the issues we had in the early days was applying for different grants applications, and we have had some success over the years. But the amount of time that you need to spend to put these bids together and apply for the grants against the ratio of success is just, it's not it's really again difficult to sustain the amount of the different charitable organizations and um, trusts out there are becoming smaller and the competition is becoming greater because organizations that wouldn't have ordinarily had to apply for certain funds are now having to because other revenue sources have been cut for them so it's a it's a bigger sense of competition I don't want to sound too negative in a sense because there are still opportunities out there for new new ideas and and new community or social enterprise founded um, ideas just I would say it's important to do the research and make sure nobody's doing the same thing a stone's throw away from you if you can do something that you can see it complements two or three or even just one um, established organization where you can maybe look in the future of partnering up on bids i think that's the way forward there's much more success these days in partnership funding bids you only have to look at cultural spring and how that became it was basically initially failed bids from individual organizations and then a very big successful bid with a partner bid between the the three parties in the end and that's been a great success and i think in general that's where it's going to be easier for new startups and social ventures to, to gain success in more collaborative and partnership works.
0: And Dan Machiavelli from Media Savvy is not the only creative professional who advises partnering with other creative bodies or individuals when applying for funding applications. His advice echoes Jan Williams from the Caravan Gallery, who I interviewed back in episode 4 of 99%. To give a brief background, it's a really creative art project that travels around the UK, becoming a temporary art gallery where residents can bring in and showcase their artwork and acting as an artistic hub. Back in episode four, I caught up with Jan and here's some interview that didn't make it into the podcast. It's rich in advice for funding bids.
2: We have funding for this particular project, which was a huge amount of work. And in the end we uh, worked with a bid writer because we knew it was such, it was something we really needed extra expertise with. So again, do your research. Partnership funding is always really good. If you can get a little pot of money from here, it's easier to go to someone else and say, well, look, I've got this, can you match it? Um, You can get support in kind. I mean, do you know someone who can print stuff for you or lend you something? Um, Again, be inventive (laughs) inventive and imaginative. You can trade things if someone has got a van, you know, offer to get them around for dinner one night, if they give you a lift here and there. That's the way we work, a bit of bartering help each other out on that level. But when it comes to applying for funding, just imagine that you're trying to describe your project to someone who's never heard of you, they've got no idea about what you do, and just make it clear to them. And don't talk in kind of fancy language when it's unnecessary, just be really clear. And try and just be innovative. You know, what are you doing that is a bit different? Or how are you doing something that lots of people have done? in a, what's your take on it? Look at what the criteria are, Uh, the Arts Council and lots of other funding bodies will have priorities, you know maybe it's about engaging people who wouldn't normally come to exhibitions, just look at those things and think well how can I address those and then maybe don't be dispirited if it doesn't work out the first time, you know just Ask for advice, ask what you could do better next time. You've got to be bloody minded and you've got to be determined. It will pay off in the end if, if you are yeah. passionate enough about what you do, if you believe in what you do.
0: Thank you there to Jan Williams from the Caravan Gallery. And uh, later in the podcast, there's some more funding applications advice from Corinne Kilvington, who's creative director and founder of Sunderland-based Theatre Space North East.
1: With the Conservatives being in power, that's when a lot of things started to go sour for social enterprises and a lot of other businesses. There are positive points about some of the Tory policies, but not really to the people that matter to us. If we look at it from one sense, the pros and cons, there's every reason why as an individual, should vote Conservative for certain things that they push in in business. But I never would vote for Conservatives because I've seen how their policies and decisions have ripped so many lives apart, especially in our kind of core service users and people we work with. We've seen how they've had to deal with these massive changes. On the same note, one of the things what the Conservatives have done is to push a lot of the SFA money, which is skills funding agency, which is where we get 90% of probably our funding from through tenders with local authorities and colleges. Put a massive slice of the adult skills budget, which is again, which, which is our concentrated delivery area and put it all with traineeships and mainly apprenticeships which from a cynical point of view and my belief is really just to massage an employment figures and it makes unemployment employment figures look better than the truth. So for instance, it's been getting chopped and chopped the last couple of years and this year we've just tendered for successfully so that's a good thing for next year's next academic year's delivery 1516. That was cut by 24%. Luckily, we still got a decent chunk of the funding because we are quite unique and we do have a good track record. We were visited by Ofsted as part of our subcontracting work a few months ago and got a Grade 1. Obviously, that's not easy to do. Uh, we've won f- multiple awards over the years and we had a fantastic inaugural uh, exhibition to showcase all of our learners' work last summer. And We're planning for the second one probably this September with support of the support of the university and the local authority as well just to give our learners this platform where they get to showcase work they've done in a professional gallery for some of these guys it's going to be the biggest achievement they've had to date and probably the biggest achievement they ever will have in their lives not to be pessimistic but it probably will be for some of these guys so it's a big deal it really is so these little things i think push our heads above the crowd to a certain extent and it's meant that we've managed to secure some and some of the success stories as well an example of one of the downs is the, the way you've got to rely on other sources. We don't expect anything for free, but when your main source of income, the whole ballpark and framework around how you achieve that and, and gain that changes and becomes more difficult, even though you're over-exceeding your contractual obligations, but then the money goes down and becomes harder to to get, basically. Back in the day, a few years ago now, Mark used to nickname me "Admin Dan" or "Dan or some some weird combination of the words, and that is just not me. But I've be- over the years I've become this kind of more businessy person than sort of if you've got a, a creative side at one end and the, sort of the business side at the other end. I'm becoming more and more on the business side as, but I've I've got to because if I don't, then the money doesn't come in and we haven't got an organisation anymore. I do enjoy it when I can take that head off and jump back into the creativity side again. It's just getting that balance, I guess.
0: And back in the very first episode of 99% Perspiration, I chatted with Corinne Kilvington, who's the creative director and founder of Sunderland-based theatre company Theatre Space North East. Like media-savvy training solutions, the theatre company has become successful locally through a combination of their own self-led projects and through professional commercial contracts.
3: We're very lucky to have gained quite a lot of high-level commercial contracts from the likes of Sunderland Council, Sunderland Libraries, Sunderland Bid, who use our interactive characters to sort of bring their events to life and use us to support our creative events as well. And then alongside that, the education work has picked up because a lot of teachers have come to see what we do in the summer, to see if you know how it works and if it's something that they can recommend to their kids. And yes, it is. And actually, you come into schools and do workshops, brilliant, come in, that'd be great. So our reputation's starting to grow through schools, so we do extracurricular
0: And no stranger to filling in grant and funding applications, Corin has some advice for creative types seeking funding for their creative ventures.
3: Get as many pairs of eyes over that application before you send it in as you can. There are wonderfully generous, creative people within this city who want to see stuff succeed. And that can't just be in Sunderland, that's got to be a wider thing. Get people to read your application You know, if if you think there's somebody that's going to pinch your idea, stay clear of them. But people that you trust, write down... My mum reads every application that I I put in because she understands how I write and how I think. And she's really good at translating those two things into what other people understand because that's not always easy to do. Because you've got everything in your head and it's very difficult to remember that the people reading it only have the words. And do those words say everything they need to say if you take away that knowledge... Get your spelling and your grammar checked. That's another mommy job. And then give it to other creative people, you know, other artistic directors, local council officers, um, you know, get them to read it. Use your relationship manager at Arts Council. Yes, they can't look at your application, but they can talk to you about your idea and you can find in with them in conversation places that it really hits their criteria And that's important as well, because you wanting to do something, however morally justified or however wonderfully creative it is, doesn't guarantee you funding. It has to hit the reasons that they're giving money out for. And I'll be damned, if you can find a funder that's got a box that says, yeah, just because it sounds like fun, you know, put them in touch, but they don't exist. They've got to hit environment or they've got to hit community or they've got to hit youth engagement or they've got to hit minority engagement or they've got to hit they've got targets so you've got to take your idea and and make it work within those those criteria to be successful and don't give up because chances are they're going to say no more times than they say yes there's thousands of different projects deserve funding And whether they're better projects than you or just better written, it's not going to change anything. And have those moments. Let yourself sit on your kitchen floor and cry like a baby. That's fine. Pick yourself up, dust yourself off and do it again. Because the more you do it, the easier it gets, the less terrifying all of those words seem. And the easier it becomes to quantify and qualify your idea in a hundred words. And what's the worst that happened? they say no, you're still alive, everybody that you love is still alive, the day continues, take that moment to sulk, shout, rant, rave, thank everybody that tried to help, and go, I'm going to have another crack at this, would you mind reading the next one, and that really will make more of a difference, because there are so many people out there, you know, I put on a Facebook status going, sweary sweary, arts cancel, sweary sweary, and. Um, and loads of people went, but the kind of work you do is exactly what they want. I was like, uh-huh, so why aren't I getting the money? And they were like, I don't know, let me have a look at this, let me have a look at that. And they came back and they gave me ideas on where I was missing those targets. And, you know, there are always people out there that are going to do that. You just need to be brave enough to ask and willing to share. And don't take criticism of your application personally. Personally. Because that's the other thing. If you've got an idea and you've grown it and you've shaped it and you've written it out and you've worked on that blooming form for however long it takes. When somebody goes, I'm not sure that's what they want. Your instinct is to go, go away, punch. But actually go, okay, so why? Let's look at that. Well, yeah, but that's what I want to do. Well, it's not reading like that. Brilliant. Okay. And use those resources. Humans are wonderful creatures. Ask nicely, say thank you, and they will continue to help.
0: Thank you there to Corin Kilvington of Theatre Space Northeast. Now, the main reason Dan Machiavelli was so keen to talk to me and get this podcast out quickly is um, to talk about the new project that Media Savvy Training Solutions are launching, and it's not based in the UK. It's called
1: Media Savvy Ghana. I'll let Dan tell you about it. Medi Savvy Ghana is a long-running idea for a few years now, myself and ex-fellow student and master's, undergrad and master's student, Joseph Mackay, Joe's originally from Ghana, we went to Ghana in 2006, or was it, 7, over Christmas time, toured the whole country and did a bit of a promo, tourist, tourism promo video that was used by the tourism board at the time since the early days of media savvy joe had spoken to me a lot about what media savvy are about and what they do there's a massive demand in the place where where joe's from which is a place called sunyani so many opportunities there but it was always right well how do we find the time to develop that and also the finance to to make it happen or give it a go a long story short i was i was able to get some initial pilot funding earlier this year to fund a couple of trips and a pilot course out there, (laughs) which has basically meant that I'm sort of doing two to three more full-time roles on top of the other two to three full-time roles in one that I was doing already, which is is probably more the true reason why I've got the dark glasses on constantly, the massive bags under my eyes. (laughs) It's gone really well, but the, again, ups and downs. And we are going to launch our inaugural media production courses, actually. We hope to branch it out to, I hope to see you there one day, actually, Jay, doing some radio work. But we hope to branch it out throughout all um, journalism, radio, even TV stuff, print, digital media, arts, that side of things, in our, what we're calling the Media Savvy Ghana Training Academy. But we really need to get this first course. Up and running, and a success out of it first. <laughs> One of the stumbling blocks we did find was that in Ghana, they don't seem to like to do short term leases. It's all two year leases, but we only needed the space for four weeks. So, budgetary wise, that was just not financially s- sound or viable. <clears throat> and none of the local colleges or academic institutions wanted to partner with us or let us lease space rum higher off them for our programs unless they could be an official partner and that was just a no-go from the start because we know what not necessarily just these institutions like in Africa but everyone's got their own vetted interest which is fair enough and we didn't want we know we've got an idea how we see things going and we need to keep it like that. The positive side of it was we secured a premises on a long-term, an excellent premises, four to five teaching rooms, 12 bedrooms with ensuite bathrooms. It's on grounds and it's on the outskirts of town, but really accessible. Through a colleague of Joe's, we've managed to secure a contract, a 10-year contract for it on a long-term lease. On the un- understanding that we pay for renovations and upkeep of it which in lieu of paying actual rent which is it's basically a win-win situation because the, the building had been unoccupied and fell into disrepair over the last year so basically we are trying to now raise extra money to make this happen not cut corners and do half jobs and sort of paint one room and not another room we've already done the electrical and plumbing work but we need to crack on because we're actually supposed to be delivering the first course in four to five weeks and there's still a lot more work to do. So one of the things we're going to do is we're doing the three peaks next week the 20, in 24 hours and we're going to be publicising that to try and get some, some sponsorship on our Indiegogo page and we've put together a, a few very attractive packages for businesses, larger businesses and smaller businesses but we've made the packages in a way where they can fulfill their corporate social responsibility and we can get the financial benefits to that as well but you know, it's all on the website, mediasavigana.org So it's basically, I'm not a good salesman at all but it's a very, very worthwhile cause. And it, again, it's gonna be the not-for-profit social enterprise framework that we're adopting over there. Yeah, we just need this final little push with a bit a bit more finance to to make it happen but it's looking very positive. The buzz over there when I went and delivered an open day in May. We had a Skype call with some of the lectures from the the university because we've got an arrangement with uh, the university for a referral process to become students here. Without going into too much detail, we've had lots of donation donated equipment already and some cash donations as well. So we've got twelve uh, desktop computers donated from the enterprise place and a load of camera equipment, amongst other things donated from the media department all old kit that wasn't being used here but can really really be useful for us out there and that's probably in freight on the sea at the minute as we speak that was all picked up last week so yeah it's really exciting times for us it's just just need to double the amount of hours in the day really at the moment but media savvy ghana yeah look out for it and help out if you can but we're uh Launching in August, and hopefully we'll be around next August, and we'll be talking about the five-year upcoming five-year anniversary. Like, like we're at normal Media Savvy, <laughs> MediasavvyGhana.org. We've just got a holding page up there at the moment, but it's got seven, eight links on there to everything relevant, like the Indiegogo page. You can follow us on Twitter at MediasavvyCIC. Or if you type in Media Savvy Training Solutions in Facebook, you'll get us there. I think we've got an Instagram account now as well. I can't even keep up with the amount of things. Type in Media Savvy, you'll probably find us.
0: (laughs) And as usual, I've got to say a really big thank you to everyone who's been involved in today's podcast, uh, to Jan Williams of the Travelling Caravan Gallery, and to Corinne Kilvington of Theatre Space Northeast. And of course, to Dan Machiavelli, What an amazing name, Dan Machiavelli. Wow, from from Media Savvy Training Solutions. And a big thank you for our music this week, which again comes from John Carl Toth. He's a composer, producer who lives and works in Tennessee in the USA. Thank you so much for your tracks. I am in awe of your talent. He's a really talented guy. Check him out. Hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. Don't forget, leave us feedback. Um, You can head to Twitter at 99podcast, to Facebook. Just type in 99% Perspiration. We're under 99% Perspiration Creative Community. And if you like the podcast, why not subscribe or leave us a review? (laughs) Anyway, thank you so much for joining us once again on 99% Perspiration.
2: And uh, until next time. Stay productive. Stay awesome.